Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up, House Republicans are proposing new actions on the federal debt limit. We'll tell you what House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said on Wall Street today. Artificial intelligence regulations are coming, and they may come down hard. The European Parliament announces it's working on the Artificial Intelligence Act, saying AI needs serious political attention. Lower EV prices on the way. What could this mean for consumers and car makers? Apple offering Apple Card users savings account options. How much interest can you earn? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Chris Beers sitting in for Don today. Major U.S. stock indexes posted modest gains today, helped by financial and industrial shares. The Dow added 101 points, or 0.3 percent. The S&P rose 14 points, or 0.3 percent. And the Nasdaq gained 34 points, also 0.3 percent. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says Republicans plan to raise the debt ceiling for a year. He addressed the state of the economy in a speech at the New York Stock Exchange today. No strings attached, debt limit increase will not pass. But since the president continues to hide, House Republicans will take action. McCarthy says the House GOP will raise the debt limit for a year, but it will be tied to spending cuts. He proposes a return to fiscal year 2022 spending levels at some government agencies and limiting growth to 1% in those agencies over the next decade. The Republicans also proposed to rescind any unspent COVID-19 relief funds that could save up to $60 billion. McCarthy plans to provide more details when he speaks to the Republican caucus on Tuesday. Republicans are hoping to vote on their proposals in the next few weeks and put pressure on the White House to negotiate. The U.S. Treasury said today that Volkswagen, BMW, Nissan, Rivian, Hyundai, and Volvo electric vehicles will lose the $7,500 tax credit under new battery sourcing rules. The rules are part of the $430 billion Inflation Reduction Act. Automakers must produce or assemble 50% of battery components in North America to qualify for the $3,750 tax credit. Sourcing 40% of the critical minerals from the U.S. or a free trade partner also qualifies for a $3,750 credit. Both requirements must be met for the full $7,500 credit. The law also requires vehicles to be assembled in North America to qualify for any tax credits. That provision eliminated nearly 70% of eligible models in August. The mining required to produce EV batteries has also raised both environmental and ethical questions. Prices for electric vehicles have been dropping recently, and it looks like they will continue dropping with future production. NTD's Sean Marshall looks into what this could mean for consumers and car manufacturers. Tesla price cuts are a wake-up call for electric vehicle competition. Now, Tesla has announced its next generation car for next year will be even cheaper. Expected to start between $25,000 and $30,000. I spoke with auto expert Lauren Fix about what this could mean for consumers. That, that will create a whole new competitive marketplace, but unfortunately, it's also going to lead to less of the things that we like, such as heated seats or safety features like cross-traffic alert, maybe a sunroof. So a lot of that will disappear. Cheaper electric vehicles are on the horizon, but you can still get stuck with hidden costs. The cost of insurance is still going to be more expensive than an equally priced vehicle because everyone has different variables that define what your insurance rates are. But also you have to think about the replacement battery costs. 
Battery warranty usually goes for seven to eight years, but needing a replacement could cost you anywhere from $2,500 on up to $20,000. Carl Breyer of iccars.com mentioned how the war in Ukraine surprisingly led to higher prices for battery materials. It's hard to predict what any given component is gonna cost and thus the vehicles that you're making out of those components. So when I hear that we're gonna have, you know, sub $30,000, sub $25,000 electric vehicles, I, I want to ask, based on what price for lithium and palladium and nickel, at what point in time? Limited range and other hidden costs aside, there are some relatively low-cost EVs under $35,000 on the 2023 market, like the Bolt EV and Bolt EUV, ranging from $26,000 to $33,000, the Nissan Leaf from 28 to 36 grand, and the Mini Hardtop at around 30,000, a trend that many say is likely to continue. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Billionaire and Twitter CEO Elon Musk created a new artificial intelligence company. He's calling it X.AI Corp. State filings say it's been incorporated in Nevada. The new company has a name that's similar to Musk's idea of an everything app called X. Twitter also recently changed its company name to Xcorp. The, the state filings were made in March, and the company has authorized the sale of 100 million shares. AI regulations are getting closer. Today, the European Parliament announced it's working on the Artificial Intelligence Act. These regulations would impact the entire European Union and affect how the rest of the world regulates their own AI industries, including the US. So what would these regulations look like? Well, the European Parliament says the AI needs significant political attention because it's too powerful, it's evolving too rapidly, and it's being integrated more and more deeply into society. Ever since ChatGPT has released the AI chatbot that can immediately answer anything intelligently, AI has been evolving at breakneck speed. Google CEO Sundar Pichai says it will impact every product at every company. So how significant would this regulation be? We talked with Adnan Masood, the chief AI architect at UST. He has a PhD in machine learning and has been working in the field for a very long time. Masood says some level of regulation is definitely necessary. So regulations have to be balanced, of course, focus on safety, fairness, transparency. And the key thing here is that they should foster innovation and global collaboration and not block them. Right, so a combination of industry self-regulation, ethical guidelines, and the government involvement. I think that's the best way to put it, where you have all three of them coming together to make like a comprehensive framework. Masood does not believe countries should form a special agency solely to regulate AI. He believes the existing agencies are enough and that they can govern AI more efficiently. Existing agencies can be updated and restructured to incorporate AI-related oversights without creating new government bodies. I think it's uh, integrating AI expertise to establishing the regulatory frameworks is more important to upskill the people instead of creating completely uh, new agencies because it's within the purview of existing uh, government bodies. Creating a special agency just to regulate AI could also harm the industry. This is according to AI researcher Justin Lane, who's been studying this space for over a decade. He's the CEO of Culture Pulse, a firm that uses AI for market research. He says he can't imagine a useful government agency that's dedicated to AI. The idea that AI as an industry could be centralized 
um, into a modern governance structure, I think, is probably going to destabilize the industry in a really negative way by centralizing too much power uh, and, and stifling too much innovation by people who are being honest here, career bureaucrats, not innovators or problem solvers, they're typically uh, going to be people who have a career outside of the industry that they would have to regulate. But some experts have the opposite opinion. We spoke with the former chief AI data scientist at Intel, Bob Rogers. He's been working with AI for 30 years. He says working with AI requires a lot of specialized technical knowledge. Experts within a regulatory body would be able to recognize what is and is not uh, a real concern and would probably be able to, um, to handle things well. Now, my experience with the FDA, they have some real great strengths and they have some real bureaucratic challenges as well. So this is always gonna be a case with any regulatory agency. Rogers also believes self-regulation won't be enough. After years of tech industry experience, Rogers says that the government will have to be very assertive with the AI industry because it won't be able to properly self-regulate. Because the, the profit incentives are so powerful, it's very difficult for big tech companies to regulate themselves effectively. Pretty much what they do is the, you know, what they're required to do by law in terms of monitoring, reporting, and, and all that. If that analogy holds over to AI, then I would expect big tech to struggle a little bit with effective self-regulation. Another argument for a special agency, the speed of innovation. ChatGPT came out just six months ago, and already people have come out with tools that create high-quality videos and even video games from normal text. Advancements like AutoGPT can work autonomously and nonstop to complete any complex tax you give it. We spoke with the co-founder of AI firm Umaker, Abbas Maladina. He says the speed of innovation is exponential. Relative to other industries, um, for example, uh, biotechnology or, for example, uh, financial technology, the pace of growth has historically always been quite linear, whereas with artificial intelligence, the, the, the technological change is exponentially quite quick. And so because of that, there, in my opinion, needs to be a specialist agency Meanwhile, the European Parliament has called on Commissioner Ursula von der Leyen and President Biden to convene a high-level global summit on artificial intelligence. It would create a set of general governing principles for future regulations. We'll keep you updated. Twitter is labeling media outlets around the world, showing if they're somehow tied to the government. Most companies don't agree with their new labels, giving reasons for why they don't apply. Twitter is labeling media outlets worldwide. On Sunday, the social media site labeled the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, or CBC, a government-funded media. According to Twitter, the label is used in cases where the government provided some or all of the outlet's funding and may have varying degrees of government involvement over editorial content. CBC rejects Twitter's label, telling the Epic Times Twitter's own policy defines government-funded media as cases where the government may have varying degrees of government involvement over editorial content, which is clearly not the case with CBC Radio Canada. The national broadcaster received $1.2 billion in funding from the federal government last year. Another outlet now having a label is Australia's National Broadcaster, or ABC. The British Broadcasting Corporation, or BBC, was initially also labeled a government-funded media. 
However, it rejected the tag, saying the BBC is and always has been independent. We are funded by the British public through the license fee. The outlet is now labeled as publicly funded media. Under previous ownership, Twitter in 2020 labeled a number of accounts as state-affiliated. Those included Russian state media like RT and Sputnik News, as well as Chinese Communist Party mouthpieces such as the New China News Agency and Xinhua. Reporters with those outlets also received those designations. National Public Radio, or NPR, announced it's leaving Twitter after it was labeled state-affiliated media, which Twitter later changed it to government-funded media. Google has released an emergency update. The issue was an actively exploited flaw in its highly popular Chrome browser. The bug was deemed a high-severity vulnerability by Google in an updated post on April 14th. That means the bug is being actively targeted by malign actors. The new Chrome version is rolling out to users who are using the Windows, Mac, and Linux stable versions of the browser. The entire Chrome suite will likely get those updates in the coming days to weeks. Google Chrome is estimated to be used by more than 3 billion people worldwide. That makes it the most popular browser by far. Number two on the list is Apple's Safari with about 580 million. Apple is offering Apple Card users the option to deposit their daily cash rewards into savings accounts from Goldman Sachs with a 4.15% APY. According to Apple, customers can create a savings account without fees, minimum deposits, or minimum balance requirements. After a user sets one up, all of their daily cash will be deposited into their account. Apple Wallet features a, sa a savings dashboard where users can view account balances and earn interest. Account holders can also make withdrawals at any time. Users can transfer their funds to another bank account or to their Apple Cash card without a fee. Apple Card users can also move money from other bank accounts or Apple Cash card into their savings account. Japanese video game maker Sega Sammy is planning to buy the company that made Angry Birds. Sega is known for the video game the Sonic the Hedgehog. How much is the deal worth and how could it help Sega? NCD's Faye Corter has the details. Sonic the Hedgehog could be getting friendly with some Angry Birds. Sega Sammy, the Japanese maker of Sonic, says it plans to buy Rovio. That's the Finnish firm behind Angry Birds and other games. The deal is valued at $776 million. That's almost 20% higher than Friday's closing price for Rovio stock. Sega says the acquisition will help it drive growth in the fast-expanding mobile gaming market. Shares in the firm closed down over 4% in Friday trading, however. Some investors have expressed doubts over whether the combination will really create synergies. Sirkin Toto, founder of a Japanese game industry consultancy, says Angry Birds is known everywhere in the world, but the brand is already past its peak. He says investors in Sega Sammy could be disappointed by the deal. Earlier this year, Rovio received a takeover bid by Israeli peer Platika, but the talks were called off last month. Still to come, the president of Brazil calling for an alternative to compete with the U.S. dollar in global trade. Is the trend of de-dollarization gaining momentum? That and more coming up on NTD Business.
Brazil's president is calling for a new currency to replace the U.S. dollar in global trade. He talked about this last week during his visit to China. Here's what he said. Every night I ask myself, why all countries are forced to conduct their trade backed by the dollar? Why can't we conduct trade backed by our own currency? Lula is calling for a new currency for the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. China is trying to increase the use of its currency in global trade. China and Brazil already struck a deal to trade in their own currencies and ditch the dollar. Trade between the two countries totals about $150 billion. Earlier, NTD's Tiffany Meyer talked with economist David Goldman, deputy editor of the Asia Times and president of Macro Strategy. Goldman says one reason some countries are looking for alternatives outside the U.S. dollar system is they're concerned about U.S. sanctions. The ability of the United States to enforce sanctions on third countries simply because they use the dollar financing system. Uh, most other countries don't like that. The Saudis have had their run-ins with the United States. There are plenty of people who think that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is a human rights violator, for example. So if you're the Saudis, uh, you'd certainly want to keep some of your reserves outside the reach of the United States, just in case in the future the U.S. attempted to seize your reserves the way it seized Russia's reserves. As for Beijing, besides proposing the Chinese yuan as an alternative to the dollar, Goldman says it's also extending its influence through building infrastructure for developing countries. The Saudi attraction to getting closer to China has much more to do with the fact that China has offered to build an entirely new digital economy in Saudi Arabia. They're building a new city called Naom. Uh, they're uh, creating a, a, a digital and cloud network that's supposed to transform Saudi Arabia into a high-tech economy. One thing that China has been good at is building infrastructure, and Huawei is the largest telecommunications infrastructure company in the world. It dwarfs its competition from uh, Nokia and, uh, and Ericsson. That's been a very successful policy on the part of China in trying to lock other countries into its economic zone by literally hardwiring their economies to China's telecommunications infrastructure. And I think the West has been remiss not to offer an alternative to China. In many parts of the world, China has a virtual monopoly on this kind of trade, and it's been extremely successful in terms of promoting Chinese influence. Goldman says if the trend continues that countries trade more and more in their own currencies, it could undercut the U.S.'s ability to wield its economic power around the world. Chinese brands are taking over Russia's smartphone market. That's according to figures from consumer electronics retailer M-Video Eldorado. It says Chinese makers took a more than 70% market share in the first quarter of this year. That's up from around 50% last year. The surge comes after Apple and Samsung curtailed sales in Russia following the start of the conflict in Ukraine. Those companies have sunk to third and fourth spots respectively in the Russian market. The top two positions go to Chinese makers Xiaomi and Realme. Still to come, SpaceX called off the launch of its Starship today due to a tech issue. It's the most powerful rocket ever built. When will they try again? And we look at the early estimate of the weekend box office. Which movie topped the chart? That and more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. SpaceX has scrubbed its first launch of the most powerful rocket ever made due to a technical issue. The company says Starship, with the super heavy rocket booster, isn't quite ready to live up to its name. SpaceX says a pressurization issue forced it to call off today's inaugural flight after years of testing and conduct this rehearsal launch instead. SpaceX says it could, it could try to launch again in two days from South Texas over the Gulf of Mexico. Starship is massive, with 33 engines. CEO Elon Musk described Starship as the vehicle that underpins SpaceX's founding principle, sending humans to Mars for the first time. Next, we have an early look at the weekend box office, with the Super Mario Brothers movie setting more records in just under two weeks since its release. Behold, the king of the Koopas! More records for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Less than two weeks into its run, it's made $678 million worldwide, easily topping Warcraft and Pokemon Detective Pikachu as the top-grossing video game adaptation ever. It's also the highest-grossing movie this year, both domestically and globally. I'm on my way. I just... It's not safe, is it? A good start for Bo is Afraid. Filmmaker Ari Aster's latest movie, starring Joaquin Phoenix as an anxious man on a bizarre journey, opened in four theaters and grossed more than $320,000. That's more than $80,000 per screen, the best per theater average of any film so far this year. Welcome to Lures. Oh. We're ready. I'm not. Here's your first look at The Miracle Club, starring Laura Linney, Maggie Smith, and Kathy Bates as Irish women who win a trip to the healing French town of Lourdes. You don't come to Lourdes for a miracle, Eileen. You come for the strength to go on when there is no miracle. But there's always hope. The Miracle Club arrives in theaters this summer. Gardens in the Netherlands are opening their gates for spring. Of course, there are tulips, but daffodils and hyacinths are also in vigorous bloom. Let's take a trip to the country's most famous flower park. For another spring, rows of colorful tulips blossom in Holland's most renowned floral park. Visitors flock to Koikenhof from all over the world to see this vibrant spectacle. This is the second time. Yeah. Because I love flower, this is it. I, I follow Guggenhall fans, IG, social media, Facebook, and I can see uh, many news about the flower in Guggenhall and Holland. The flowers just add to the beauty, right? <laughs> it does. This year, Koikenhof is cutting the number of visitors entering by 20,000 per day. Garden officials say that's to provide a better viewing experience. And that's not all they're offering. We want to let uh, our first visitor has to see colors and our last visitor has to see colors. So uh, pl uh, planting different kind of uh, bloomers, daffodils, crocuses, hyacinthin, and the tulips in three periods. We have the early tulips, we have the middle blooming tulips, and the last the third the later blooming uh, uh, tulips so every uh, week we have a different picture of coconut tulip growers are also changing with the times they're cutting back on chemicals and switching to sustainable energy some have installed recycled water systems and solar panels one farmer has been growing his business and now produces as many tulips per day 
as he used to in one whole season, about 100,000. We need five years, maybe 10 years to make big steps. Not forget, 15 years, 20 years ago, we, have, we used some, uh, some chemicals. But now we are 80% more less than in that period. That means we make very good steps. Koikenhof gardeners plant and nurture a total of 7 million bulbs. The garden is open until May 14th. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Chris Beers, sitting in today for Don Ma. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.